you will. I want to kind of wrap up what we've been talking about these, this past week. And uh, we, we've been coming out of Colossians 1, verse 9 uh, and verse 10. And uh, I just kind of want to summarize, bring it all kind of together, because next, next Sunday is December. Can you believe it's December already? For some, it's like finally it got here. For others, it's like, oh, my goodness, it got here too so fast. <laughs> for me, I'm in the kind of in the middle. The summer was very dragged for me, and for others it went by quick, and, you know, it's all perception anyway. But uh, as we begin the December and uh, look at some other things and just kind of get off of this, but we've been, think we've been looking at the issue of, of, of how to be thinking about things, where to get your information from, and so forth. Colossians 1 verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And we began to look at the, these verses and kind of launch out from them. And as we've been looking at really the kind of the fourth leg of what we started with is this issue about where you get your information from. We started looking at there in, in 2 Corinthians 11 about the simplicity that's in Christ. You know, some, I was told one time, if it's complicated, it's a lie. And you know what? Honestly, that's a good way to look at it. If, if, if it's something that gets complicated, that means there's something not, going, not right here. All right? Now, we're talking biblically, scripturally, and so forth, because brain surgery, to me, sounds a little complicated. And that's not a lie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But when you begin to think about how you're, you, you are and how you're going to be, we started with the simplicity that's in Christ. Let's keep it simple. You know, we are who we are because of Christ and his activity and so forth. And then we talked about the need to, to rightly divide the word of truth. And we talked a little bit about all of the, 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 uh, the, the different ideas out there, like with the, now that the vaccination is on board and it's coming, here in the next couple months or weeks or whenever, you're going to hear people start talking about that the vaccination is the mark of the beast. I heard one, Bitcoin is the mark of the beast. I'm like, Bitcoin? How did that get there? But everybody runs to the book of the Revelation, and you know what? You're not a Jew, and you're not in the book of Revelation. I'm sorry. We're aware. We're Gentiles, and then we're in the day of grace. Okay, so you only understand that when you rightly divide the word. You, when you, and by the way, when you hear people do that, don't look at them like they're idiots. You can think that, I guess, but don't look at them that way because what do they not know? They don't understand the issues of dispensational Bible study. So go educate them, help them, help them see that, help them understand that that stuff about the mark of the beast is very centralized, it's very local, to the Middle East, it's very specific to a specific period of time and so forth. So go and educate. Don't go and sit there, ah, oh, you don't know anything, and smack them around. <laughs> go and talk to them and show them because with knowledge, then they can get out of some of that uh, chaos that they're in. And then we looked over about the issue of the one anotherings and thinking about each other. How do we begin to think about each other? And as we gather and as we come together in church and the local assembly and so forth, and that those one anothering, some 20-something times Paul says that we're to one another, each other, and, and how to have that be the, divide, the, 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 the motivation and the push. And then we began to look at the issue about where do we get our information, and we started with the issue of the King James Bible. And I know that that goes against a lot of what people think, but you can't, you have to, if we're to have the simplicity in Christ and we're to have the word of God, and we're to, then we have to have it, see? And we do have it in a King James Bible. And then we talked about the authority of the Apostle Paul being our apostle for today. And last week we began to look here about, and we looked at that first issue here of wisdom. We, I took you over, run over to 1 Corinthians 3, just real quick. Somebody asked me about this, and I know it's not on the video and everything, but uh, you can visualize this. If you look at 1 Corinthians 3, talking about the judgment seat of Christ, in verse number 12, he says, now if any man build upon this foundation, that issue of gold and silver, and then the precious stones, Though, and this is, by the way, why we looked at 
these in this order, okay? In Proverbs 16 and verse 16, and in Proverbs 20, verse 15, gold equals out to the issue of wisdom. And that's why we looked at wisdom last time, the skillful use of knowledge. And then silver is going to equal out to the issue of knowledge, and uh, precious stones equals out to the issue of understanding. And the Apostle Paul, first Colossians there, chapter 1, Ephesians, and he prays, he says, what I want you to have is I want you to have these three working in you. Because when that happens and you go before the judgment seat of Christ and the fire's turned up, you read the rest of that passage there, when that happens, you're going to have some things stand there. When fire hits these items, it, 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 it purifies it. It gets out all of the, the, the impurities. It, he goes on to say, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, when you put fire to wood, hay, and stubble, what happens to it? Now we got us a fire. Now it's going to be consumed and ash is left. Think about a, a, a pallet of wood or a core of wood. That's massive, isn't it? It's big. It takes up a truck bed load, Right? But when you burn it, where does it go? It goes all the way down to this little something that's unusable. In the moment, it's usable. In the moment, wood, hay. You think about hay. Feed, we were over at Marlon Jerry's yesterday, and she's feeding the horse. You know what she fed him? Chocolate cake. No, she fed him hay. Alfalfa. She didn't feed him, you know, prime rib dinner. She fed him hay. What happens when that horse eats the hay? It goes in and does its thing, and the horse goes off, does its thing. And it, this massive thing goes all the way down to this little pile. That's the issue. These are little, aren't they? And yet they get big. And Paul says, you have to, that's how you are to operate. You're in 1 Corinthians. Just come back on over to chapter 2. You're to walk, you're to operate. I pray that you would operate in some wisdom, some knowledge, and some understanding. If you come to 1 Corinthians 2 here, again, last week we spent a lot of time, the whole hour, talking about wisdom. The wisdom of God was put on display in creation, the physical creation, but now the, today the creation of the church, the body of Christ. And that wisdom plan of God versus the wisdom plan of the adversary. The wisdom of this world comes to naught. When the, wisdom, when the world looks at what you and I believe and do, they think coming on a Sunday morning for three and a half hours or however long you're here. You know, the other day we were here at almost 7 o'clock in the evening on last Q&A, you know. So how, however you're here, by the way, that is not normal, okay? I just, we were done about 5, in the exception to the rule. I don't, by, the end, by the time I got home, I was so tired. I'm like, man, you know, but... We'll be here for as long as you need us to be here. All right, get out of that. When you talk about wisdom, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6, howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Perfect in Scripture doesn't mean never messing up or never making a mistake. It means mature, maturity, okay? Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. The wisdom of this world, they look at us, and they think this is just foolish. How, would, how come when you would do this? How, why do you do this? They just look, and he says, Paul says over there in 2 Corinthians, he says, I'm sorry, first, we're going to get there. 1 Corinthians 1, he says, hey, the, fool, the world thinks this is foolish, but to us it's what? The power of God. To us, it's not. Why? Because we know something. We have some knowledge. We have some understanding about some things. Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. And see, again, there's that issue of, of creation and wisdom and the wisdom of God being a mystery kept secret now it's been revealed, Ephesians 3, to, by the Apostle Paul, to the, to the church, the body of Christ as a whole, to Gentiles and to Jews and to anyone who believes, okay? And now that wisdom is made known to our glory. 
and the functions of the heavenly places and, and the future that we have out there which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, that, that is, that hidden wisdom, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But, now watch verse 9, as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that loved him. Now that's an interesting verse. Notice that verse very carefully. By the way, you never read verse 9 without reading verse 10. Because if you stop at verse 9, like I just did, that leads you to think that God never revealed the things that he's prepared for them that love him. But look at verse 10. But God, what? Hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit speak, searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Notice there very carefully. The eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man. The three ways you know stuff. Talking about knowledge, the, the eye gate, the ear gate, the heart gate, the things when you, you're, when, you, when you look at something with your eye and you see it, think about that. You know stuff. You begin to, to have a, 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 an issue of understanding what's going on in front of you. Because why? You can see it, right? It's there. Then he says ear. You hear it. Somebody tells you something. You know, lately you have to worry about what you're seeing and what you're hearing <laughs> anymore. But see, the thing is, is that's how you know stuff. Your heart, the facts, you believe it. That's how, and you know what Paul says? As a man, that none, the three gates of your understanding of how you know something never would be there. You would never have thought about, you would have never considered the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So you know what God did, verse 10? He did what? He revealed them. He made them known. And he made them known unto us by his spirit. So if you want to know what God hath prepared for them that love him, who do you have to have? You have to have the spirit of God. Follow that? That's critical. You know what that means? You have to be justified. You have to say, you know what? I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I'm, 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 a, I'm a wretch. I'm no good. Christ died for my sins. I trust that. I trust that he died. He was buried and he rose again the third day. His activity is what's going to justify me. And now when I get over here, Ephesians 1 verse 13, because I have believed the gospel of my salvation, what did the Father do? He seals me with the Spirit. So now I have the Spirit. Now when I come to his word, guess what I can do? I can understand, I can know the things that he has prepared for them that love him. That's why we started about having a, your you're going to know stuff because you have his word, the King James Bible. You've got it. Why? Because the Spirit's going to come along. Drop down there to verse 13, which things also we speak not in the words which, which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The Holy Ghost is going to come along and take the words of God and begin to deal with them into your life so that when you're thinking about spiritual, notice how that verse 13 ends. Spiritual things with what? It doesn't say with spiritual things. It says what? With spiritual. So when you drag that back up to verse 9 and 10, what's he talking about at the end of verse 9? Knowing the things that God has prepared for you. What, what kind of things has he prepared for you? Spiritual things or physical things? Spiritual things. So the Holy Spirit is going to take the spiritual things, the blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Ephesians 1.3, Colossians 2.10, complete in him. All of the, all grace, all sufficiency, and all things that he's provided for you. And he's going to say, listen, I wrote them down in the book for you so that the Spirit will come along and do what? Compare the things going on and what's going on in life. And he's going to do it with the written word of God. That's how we know what was revealed. That's how we know what's, what's going on and what's happening. It's that he's going to come along and he's going to make known all the things in his word. You have the Spirit, and the Spirit says, da-da, here you go. Learn this. Know this. 
By the way, you understand this by verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him. How do you know and understand what I'm saying? Maybe you don't understand what I'm saying, but you know the words, okay? How do you know that? Because we all have the spirit of what? Of man. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Boy, what a verse. The things freely given to us. Didn't have to work for it. Didn't have to walk an aisle, jump in the bathtub, baptismal. Didn't have to do any of that. I don't, didn't have to check my 1040 at the door with the, with the giving department. Didn't have to come over here and do the rites and the rituals. All I had to do was trust Christ. I didn't have to do what religion out there says. I just trusted Christ. The things that he freely, that's the difference than the law. The law says you better be doing it or you don't get. Grace says, here's the free gift. How do I know that? Because the Spirit comes along and he takes those spiritual things and he's going to compare them now in your spirit because he's there, he's residing, he's working. He wrote it down in a book. You'll notice, come over to Romans 1. You'll notice your handout this morning just has Romans and Corinthians, and you're like, oh, I did that so you wouldn't know how many verses we're going to look at. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> that's for, uh, for Paul down here on the front row. <laughs> look at Romans 1. Here's some things that he would have for you and us, us to know. Talking about knowledge. Know some things. N- knowing. And, and it's wonderful to have knowledge. It really is. Uh, Paul over there to the Corinthians says, knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. I'm not talking about that kind of knowledge. I'm talking about just relaxing. It's Thanksgiving weekend and being thankful for what we know. Romans 1 verse 16, what do we know? Romans 1 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For, what do we know? It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Isn't that wonderful to know? That the power of God, you want to see the power. People say, oh, give me the power of God. Well, there's the power of God unto salvation. You know what? It's over there hanging on the tree. He, there sits the power of God. You come over to chapter 3, you find out in verse 9 that he's proved everybody is a sinner. (laughs) You're by nature a sinner. That's who you are. Verse 21, he says, hey, but now, oh, wow, we got something new on board. We got a but now. Back over here in the past, what were we? We were enemies. Come on, come over. Wow, shoot. Chapter 5, we'll get there in just a minute. We were ungodly. We were sinners. We were enemies. But now we are reconciled to God. See, he goes, you got to know this. This is in the beginning of his, of his epistles. Chapter 3, verse 21, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified, hey, there's our word, freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God... Here's the Father has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. Think about that. God the Father says, the shed blood of my Son satisfies the justice requirement of perfect righteousness. And I'm going to make that available unto all. But I'm going to only put it to their, impute it to them, put it on their account to them that believe. And you know what? It isn't by your activity It's by the faith of Jesus Christ. It's by his activity, not yours. You're not even in the equation here. The equation is between God the Father. God the Father plus God the Son equals justification. Your job, your thing, chapter 4, 
Verse number five is to come along and believe it. But to him that worketh not, but what? Believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Again, how much energy does it take to believe God? None at all. You just what? Believe it. You have faith. Verse 25, 425, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Notice who was delivered. The source is the Lord Jesus Christ, not you. Religion says you are the part of the program. Grace says, no, you're not. Stay home. Now, he's got, work, he's got good works for you to do after the fact, yes, but not here. Chapter 5, verse 1, therefore being justified. Next two words, we have. We begin to learn the benefits of our justification, don't we? We have peace with God. Can you imagine what it was like not to have peace with God? Not to? He looks over there at you as a Gentile in time past, and he says, you know what, you guys, guys, it's time for a little war. Get your pruning shears out. Beat them into swords. Let's go to war. We're going to fight. Put them up. Now, would you like to go to war with God? The Gentiles out in the world, you know what, they're like, yeah. Bring him on. We can defeat him. He looks over there in Psalms 2, and he laughs at the nations. He's got them, he just sits there and laughs at them. Who do they think they are? Solomon, at the end of Ecclesiastes, he says, you know what the the case of the matter is after spending a lifetime for most of us out in the world running human wisdom? He says, you know what the end of the matter is? You better fear God. He's the creator. You better fear him. And God says, yeah, that's a good answer. (laughs) And I've made a way for you not to have the fear. I have a way for you to have peace because you've been justified. Isn't that great to know? That's wonderful to know. The kids know it. They're having fun out there. (laughs) They know. It's wonderful to know. We have peace. We have access, verse 2. Can you imagine having access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, having access into the, into the throne room of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Access, the door is open. It's unlocked. Come on in. At 9 o'clock, I try to remember to unlock the doors. Usually I forget, and it's 9.05, and people are banging. Let us. But you open the doors, and you come in, and when you come into the room, you know what you begin to do? You begin to enjoy the peace That's why you're going to rejoice in hope of the glory. You begin to enjoy the blessings, the spiritual blessings. You begin to rejoice in that. You begin to have a wonderful thing go on in life. Chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 8, you begin to learn. You begin to know some things that, you know what? You're freed from sin. From the bondage of sin. Six, chapter 6, verse 7, for he that is dead is freed from sin. You know what it is when, you know what happens when somebody dies? They're freed from the moment of that body. This past week, Rocky passed away. He was a sick, he, he had a lot going on medically, <laughs> even when he was well. And he got sick. But when he passed from life, from death to life, you know what he left behind? That old sick body. Absent from the body. No more kidney dialysis. No more pneumonia. No more this. No more that. And he's in the presence of the Lord. (laughs) That's pretty good stuff. I'd take that. See? Now, he didn't want to go... He had things he wanted to do with his family and for his family. But you know what? Once it, once it dawned on him that, you know what, it might not. You know what he did? He, the last time I talked to him, he was so relaxed, so not worried about dying. Because what does he know? He knows 1 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, absent from the body, 
is to be present with the Lord. He knows that. You know why he knows that? He knows because, hey, I have some understand. I have some knowledge here. Chapter 6, I'm freed from sin. Chapter 7, I'm free from the law. Chapter 8, I'm, I'm alive unto God. I'm usable by God now. Chapter 9, 10, and 11 of Romans, he says, I am not Israel. I am the church, the body of Christ. I don't even want to be a part of, over there. Then he says in verse 12, to, chapters 12 to 16, i got to go a little quicker here to get done. Okay, He says, you know what? Here's what the impact that grace is designed to have in your life. And as you go and live, because you know what? When you got saved, he didn't call you home right away. He says, listen, I've got a job for you to go do. And in that job, you're going to be my ambassador. And you're going to suffer. And you're going to have turmoil. And you're going to have trouble. But I loved you. And I gave you all of this. So lean on what I gave you. Let all that go and have an impact in life. And when you come up against the knuckleheads, here's how to handle them. Here's what it's to look like. And go do that. That's the book of Romans. Then you come into 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and he says, okay, you didn't quite catch the behavior prob thing. You messed up a little bit. So now we're going to come over to 2 Corinthians 5. So now we're going to have to teach you how to know and how to understand how to fix the bad behavior. Because you didn't quite catch the end of Romans. And he says, listen, what I need you to do is I need you to understand, I need you to know knowledge, understand some things here, have, have, know some things, and you need to understand how to deal with the issue of bad behavior in your life, because guess what? It's going to come up. It's going to happen. Even though the hardest you try, get out here, all right, Lord, I ain't doing that, and guess what you're doing? You're over here doing it. I try, Romans 7 syndrome. I try to do good and the bad I do. And I don't, I try to go do bad, but I'd still do bad. <laughs> I don't even do good when I'm doing bad. How do you fix that? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, he says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all that purpose, intent, we that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, identity. You lost that old, you know what happens? You want to fix the bad behavior? Quit living in the old identity. You need to get back in Romans 6, 7, and 8 and start learning to live in the new identity. And when you do that, you'll fix the bad behavior. But you come out of Romans and you learn, what was our, what was our word again? Freely. I was emphasizing that. Problem is, is sometimes we like to touch stuff. So now instead of living under the word of free, gra free gift, grace, you know what we do? We like to come over here and mess around and touch with the law. So you know what Galatians says? Smack your hand. Stop. Don't mix the two programs. Here's how you're going to fix bad doctrine. And you know what? You go through the whole of Galatians. There's six chapters. And Paul there at the end, chapter 6, verse 11, we see, you see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand. And I'm thinking, Paul, you only wrote six, that's only six chapters. Why do you call this a large book? I think it was all in capitals. Capitals. You know how you, when you type in caps, you're screaming? You know, if, by the way, if you ever get a text from me and I'm in caps, I'm not screaming at you. I forgot to take the cap lock off, okay? <laughs> you know, he goes, hey, he, why? Because what does the law do to grace? It kills it. It destroys it. Romans 11, verse number 6, you ought to have that book, that verse memorized. He looks over there, and he says, if, it by, if by grace, and it is no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. You add works to this situation. You add works in there. You know what grace says? I will sit over here. I'll wait for you to get done. And when you get done, beating your head up against the Brock wall over there, buddy, bloody, buddy, bloody, blah, blah, blah. Then I'll come and we'll deal with it. Then you come to the book of Ephesians. And you know what Ephesians, he says, I want you to know something. Ephesians chapter 1. 
You got Romans. Let's know something about who you are and your justification and your identity. And you need to know about you individually. And here's how you, you individually are going to fix the bad behavior, the bad doctrine. Then in Ephesians 1, he says, I need you to know what you're getting involved in. <laughs> yes, Romans, I saved you from hell, but I need you to know that there's much more than just that. I got a big plan, a, a, a universal plan. And you're now a part of it. Ephesians 1, verse number 9. By the way, verse 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. There's the big plan we're involved in. He says, it is, the Father's will is no longer a mystery. I've made it known. And what I'm making known is that he has a plan to run the government of the universe as, with his son at the head, with the church, the body of Christ in the heavenly government, and the nation of Israel here in the earthly government, running things and overseeing things and conducting and doing. And you know what you need to understand, what you need to know and what you need to have resident in there is that, that, that you're now involved in the plan called glory. And you're on, you're on the winning side. Chapter 2 of Ephesians, he says, here's the impact of what Calvary accomplished. People, you know, Calvary was a prophesied event, but the meaning of it and what it accomplished was kept secret. And he says, you know what it did? it made it possible for me to change the programs and to do some different things and to form the church, the body of Christ. You look over there at chapter 2, great verse, oh, verse 16, and that he, might that he might reconcile both unto God in one body. Notice that little word. Is it at the cross? No, it's what? By the cross. How is he doing this? He didn't do it, see, if you said at the cross, I mean at that moment in time. He didn't do it there. He did it where? He's doing it by the cross. Now in the new dispensation, the but now, he's doing some things because of Calvary. Don't let those new Bibles change those words. Because they do, by the way. They put at instead of by. Got to watch that. Chapter 3, you begin to see the impact on the church of the church, the body of Christ. You look there, chapter 3, verse number uh, 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers. Verse 9, we're going to make all men see. We got a, uh, the fellowship of this mystery. We got an impact here in time on the earth, and we have an impact in time into the heavenly places. We have an impact. Chapter 4, we have a walk, a worthy walk, a vocation, verse 1, of wherewith you're called. We got a walk that's going to then, chapter 5, have an impact. And that impact of that worthy walk is set forth. And then in chapter 6, when you and I are doing our worthy walk, there's a result of that walk and that worthy walk. And you know what it's called? It's called war. Woo. Let's go to war. We're, we're at war with chapter 6. I'm not there. You're, you should be there. Chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We're at war, folks. When you're walking your worthy walk, guess what? War's in your, in your future. But it isn't against who? Each other. It's a spiritual warfare. And he says, you know what? I've provided for you an armor for you to be able to stand. I provided for you the ability to work. Come over to Philippians. And you know what happens in Philippians? He's talking to people who are mature, who are adults, who are grown up. And he looks at them and he says, okay, you got all that stuff in Ephesians? <laughs> now you guys have some bad behavior as adults, we tend to misbehave from time to time. As children, the book of Romans, babes, as we're learning, Paul in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and Galatians reaches over there and smacks their hands. My dad would turn me over his knee and paddle my behind, you know. Discipline where God made, made you to be disciplined. 
But with an adult, you don't, you don't do that to adults. Now you have conversations and you have, you have a discussion about things. I can remember the last time my dad spanked me and the first time he said, I'm not going to do it to you again. <laughs> One, I was as big as he was. But, but the issue was that you begin to, he began to teach me that, you know what, as a child we did this. But now that you're growing up and becoming an adult, we, we, adults talk like this. And that's what Philippians and Colossians is really is. Here's how adults talk when it comes to bad behavior and bad doctrine. You know what adults do? Chapter 1, verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. Isn't that interesting? Your love, your, your attitude, your mental thinking about others would do what? Abound, get bigger, more and more in all knowledge. That's what we're talking about. And in all judgment that ye may approve the things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and the praise of God. You see, we're to know how to keep, keep it all together. We're to come along and we're to, we're, to, we're to become and make him our focus. And that's why every chapter in Philippians deals with something about Christ. My strength, my mind, my goal, my all, he's everything. Why? Because, man, when you're thinking about who you are in Christ and what he is to you, your behavior naturally comes in line with it. By the way, their misbehavior at Philippi was not like the Corinthians and the carnal things. Chapter 1, he goes on down at the end down there in verse 28 and says, nothing terrified by your adversaries. The Philippians had allowed their emotions to become the rule. And they had allowed their emotions to take over. You know, your emotions are dumb. They're stupid. Alabama won yesterday. Yay, yay, yay. But if you're an Auburn fan, you're hoo, 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 hoo. And you know what? It's just a game. Here today, gone tomorrow. You know that. Watch a movie. We'll flip down to turn on TMC, turn, uh, the old classics. You know, oh, there he is. Oh, oh there he goes. <laughs> you know, up one minute, down the next. They at Philippi had allowed that. At Colossae, at, in Colossians, you learn to begin to, the doctrine that you need to defeat the adversary. Satan comes and he attacks you and I. He knows he can't re remove you and I, Colossians 2. He knows that he cannot get you and I out of the body of Christ. We're sealed with the Spirit. But you know what he does? He comes in and he begins to attack you, those fiery darts. How do you defend the fiery darts? Well, you got the shield of what? Remember, shield of faith? Faith, that issue of the doctrine. Chapter 2, verse 4, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with what? Enticing words. Hey, how's he going to come up with you? What's one of those fiery darts going to look like? Enticing words. Oh, man. Boy, he is smooth, isn't he? Woo. Let's go to that preacher. He's smooth talk. He uses the correct grammar, don't you know? <laughs> He's smooth. Over there, Galatians 3, he says, Who has bewitched you? Oh, foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you? Drop down to verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Ooh, going to use human wisdom to get you. Verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. You know what they're going to do to you? They're going to come along and say, you're really spiritual Israel, don't you know? No, you're not. You're the body. Don't fall for that. Verse 18, let no man beguile you of your reward and voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. You know what they're going to do? They're going to come along and use religion. And they're going to say, oh, the, your angel kept you safe. And you know what Paul says? Don't let them do that. The issue there of your reward involuntary humility and worshiping, that's religion. 
come along and using that to get you. He says, don't you do that. First and second Thessalonians, you know what we're to know about? The way that the dispensation of grace ends. Every chapter in those two books deal with how the dispensation of grace ends and how the body of Christ gets out of planet Earth, called the rapture, into the heavenly places, and off you go. Folks, you need to know how and what's going to happen because in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when the sounds happen, the trump, the shout, and the voice, when that stuff blows, you will not have time to say, hold on a minute, give me the YouTube video. You're to know it. Wait a minute, give me a five-second rundown. Dude, you're in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. You're there already. There's going to be some that are so shocked because it happens so, and they have no idea. They don't know where to know. Timothy's, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. 1 Timothy 3, I was going to quote the verse, but it's easier for you to read it. 1 Timothy 3. Verse 15. You see, folks, there's some things about knowledge that we are to know. There's some things here that we are to know. Ephesians 3, verse 15. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, and the pillar and the ground of the truth. There's what, there's what Timothy, Titus, and Philemon is all about. How do we behave when we come together as a church, the local church? So the knowledge is there. It's in Paul's epistles. And we are to build that up into our inner man, reading three chapters a day. Guess what? Folks, we just spent 25, 35 minutes going through, and I just did a quick overview with you, and you're to know all of that. But then you come to the issue of understanding it. You see, we have the wisdom. Come, over, come back with me to Ephesians 5. We have the wisdom revealed to us. We have the knowledge revealed to us. And you know what we're to do? We're to take all of that and bring it into our understanding. We are to take wisdom and knowledge and we're to bring it into our understanding. We're to take all of that in and to bring it into our daily life. We're to allow wisdom and knowledge to impact us. We're to get out of the way. We're, let, we're to let the word work in that inner man. Ephesians 5, verse 15, he says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as, what? Wise. How are we to walk? You know what it is to walk circumspectly? Walk through a, a patch of uh, cactus with no shoes on. How are you going to walk? I can remember the time Nick and I came around the corner and we ended up in a cactus bush on the quads. And it was like, okay, don't move. <laughs> you know, We came around the corner and there was a big bull or a big cow or something in the road. And he went left and I went right. And the next thing you know, we're picking needles off of each other. That was a mess. What, how do you do? You go how? Circumspect. Carefully, don't you? Why do you walk circumspectly? Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are what? Evil. Redeeming the time. Maybe you've known this message all your life and you think you've still got time. Maybe you've come to this message later in life and realized the waste of time you've done. Either way, what are you to do with what you got? Time. James says that your life is but a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. It's all time. What are you doing with your time? Let's be wise about that. Watch him do it. Verse 17, wherefore be ye not unwise, but what? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, that's understanding what the will of the Lord is. Look at that. Come over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. On your way, stop at 1 Timothy 2. You think about, we, oh, Rick, give me what is the will of God for my life. You know what Paul says? You need to understand what the will of the Lord is. What's he doing? What's he doing in Romans? He's doing 1 Timothy 2, isn't he? Verse 3, 4, and 5, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is Romans 
and Corinthians. It's all about what? Getting saved. What is Ephesians? Coming to the knowledge of the truth. He says, hey, what is the will of God? The will of God isn't that you win the Powerball. The will of God isn't that your family is healthy, wealthy, and wise. The will of God is that you get saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you realize that when you got saved, you were doing the will of God? You didn't know it at the time, but you were. 2 Timothy 2, look at the Folks, when understanding, not just knowing it, but bringing it into the details of your life now. 2 Timothy 2, verse 7, consider what I say, that's Paul, and the Lord give thee what? Understanding and what? If I want to have understanding in all things, who am I going to go to? Paul. By the way, just as a comparison, I'll take a 30 seconds of your time. Come over to 2 Peter chapter 3. You see, folks, when you talk about coming to understanding, where are we going to go? We're going to go to Paul. This one's not on your verse, but just as a comparison, 2 Peter 3, verse 16, verse 15, and the account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to what? You see, you go to Peter and the boys, you go to the earthly ministry of Christ, and you know what you're going to have? Not all understanding. You see, Peter says, I don't, I don't understand all that. Paul says, you consider what I say, and guess what? You're going to understand all that. Come back to Colossians chapter 2. You need to stay with Paul. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2. It's very, very fascinating here, folks. I understand knowledge. I know some things. I got some wisdom. It's right here. It's in the 13 epistles by Paul. It's written in the Word of God. It's simple. It's clear. It's there. I don't see how any harder, past, present, and future, that's pretty simple. Time passed, but now, ages to come. Past, present, that can't get any simpler than that, right? They're simple. It's right here. But you know what? I got to bring it into my life. Colossians 2, verse 2, that, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. Boy, isn't it wonderful to have the full assurance of understanding? To the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Those three mysteries there understand it. Verse 3, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that mystery that's been revealed, by the way, the mystery of God, the mystery of the Father, and the mystery of Christ, those three mysteries contain the full assurance of understanding. The mystery of God. You go over to Roman, uh, Revelation chapter number 10, it's talking about Israel's program and the issue of the, um, the, uh, the, 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 the information spoken of by the prophets, Israel and earth and all that. Talking about the, the mystery of the Father, we just read it in Ephesians 1, verse 9 and 10, to bring it all under his headship, didn't we? The mystery of Christ. You go to Ephesians chapter 3, and where Paul says, my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, what he's doing today in the church, the body of Christ. Guess what you got in one verse? He says, you want to have full assurance of understanding? You want to bring that into your life? Then guess what you're not going to do? Think you're Israel. You're going to stay the body, and you're going to know your future. And you're going to let that be what impacts your life. And the design, Ephesians 1 there, verse 16 and 18, he talks about the, eye, that the, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. All of this is designed, these three are designed to impact your life on a daily basis. And when they do, you begin to not only have wisdom, but you begin to know some things and then you begin to allow that to come into your life. Think about 
what you have. We have his will made known to us. We don't have to worry about, we don't have to contemplate, dig in and, well, is it this or that? No, we have it. Ephesians 1. How about, I love 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks, because this is the will of God concerning you. We have that. You go over there in 1 Thessalonians 4, and he says, hey, man, here's the will of God. You guys are doing the brotherly love, but you need to do it more and more and more. We have it. It's right here. We have his word, which reveals to us how he thinks, his attitudes, his concerns, his will. We understand how forgiveness works. I don't know where you're at. Look at Ephesians 4. I don't know if you're in Ephesians or not. I'm off the script now. Folks, we know how forgiveness works. Ephesians 4, verse 32. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How did he forgive you? Totally, completely. He didn't bury the hatchet half in, half out, so that later he can rip it out and knock you on the back of the head. He says, hey, it's done. So you know what we should be doing? That's how we should be forgiving one another. We know how prayer works. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, he says, pray without ceasing. That means prayer is not a posture. Now, there are times when you need to bow your head and your knee and get down in, in some serious supplications and so forth. But prayer is not a posture. Prayer is just simply talking to God the Father about the details of life and how to take his word and apply them to the details of life that you're going through. I go down the freeway. I don't close my eyes and bow my head and hope the guy in front of me doesn't hit me. But I am praying, Lord, keep him in his lane. Or for me, it's more of, Lord, have grant me the patience to not run this guy over. <laughs> All right, some of you got that, okay. You see, folks, yeah, when, when you pray, prayer is just pouring out your heart to the Father. That's all that it is. You know how that works. How does the Spirit work? He works with the Word working in your inner man. And you know what he's, Lord, I got this going on in my life, and I don't know how to deal with this. Help me, Lord. And you know what the Lord says? Okay, you got Pastor Rick, you got some other people, you can go talk to them. You got the book. Let's get in the book. You see, folks, we know how prayer works. We know how forgiveness works. We know, how, we know what his will is. What else do you need to know? You got it all. It's right here. But his design is to come. 1 Thessalonians 2, he says, verse 13, that the word will work effectually in you that believe. That's the hardest part of these three is you believing it. Because you want to pray a prayer, you want to knock and have it open, receive and all that stuff. And you know what? It does not work that way. Paul over there in 2 Thessalonians 12, he says, I besought the Lord three times for this thorn in the flesh. And you know what he said unto me? You know what his word was to me? My grace is sufficient. You know what God's saying to Paul there? He says, Paul, remember... The word is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. That comes from understanding. That comes from saying, you know what? We're going to take the wisdom and the knowledge that I have, and I'm going to bring it into the details of my life. So as I go and as I live, you know what I can become? I can have grace be built up in me, but I can be... I can have him found in me, formed in me, not found, formed in me. I can, ha- I can be conformed to the image of his dear son. I can sit there as Paul says, you know what? I know him, but I want to know him more. And that's where prudence comes in. The Latin is not on the board. Because what prudence does is as you go through life and things come up on life, up on the stages of your mind, you can then look and say, you know what, I see the big picture. I see behind all of that. I see the agenda. I know what God the Father's doing. And I can come now and I can put on my 
in my mind, in my thinking, the things that are critical to him. I can think like he thinks. And I can have that be what motivates and moves and does in my life. The greatest illustration, we did it last week, was in Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6. Paul doesn't go into the ivory towers. He gets down in the gutter with you. He doesn't go up and say, you know, dearly beloved, we're doing that. He gets down there and says, wives, husbands, children, parents, workers, bosses, this is how you are to behave. This is how you're to act. This is putting me on display in your life. You good for one more verse, Philippians 1? You see, folks, I know we read these verses just a minute ago, but you need to think about these three verses very carefully in the issue of understanding and the issue of prudence. Philippians 1, verse number 9, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in what? Knowledge. Know some things. Know it. You don't, and not, it's, by the way, it's not quoting it. It's knowing it. And in all judgment. Understanding how to apply what I know to life. Understand how do I take, how do I take this verse that tells me Colossians 2, 13, forbearing and forgiving one another, or uh, Colossians 3, sorry, forbearing, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven me, so do it. I'm to do that. I can't say, yeah, I don't like him, so I ain't gonna, I'm going to do it. And I ain't, no, I am to do it, that verse says. How do I do that? How does it look for me to do it? It's going to look different for me. It'll look different for you. How do I do that? By the way, it's Colossians 3.13. How do I do that? Well, what, look, look here at verse 10. That ye may prove the things that are excellent. Now, you think about excellent. Romans 12, over there he says, that you may approve, approve the will of God, the, the good, better, and best. How do I prove the things that are excellent? Is Bible study excellent? But is Bible studying on the job when you should be working the right thing to be doing? No, you, you violate Ephesians 6. <laughs> Sorry. But if you're Bible studying on the job and it's a break... See? But is Bible study excellent? It's good, right? But what's the more excellent thing to be doing at work? Working. Duh. Yeah. Okay. Both are, both are good, but what's more excellent? I got my mind cleared here. What's the greater value? By the way, verse 11, being filled, here's the result, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by me doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. By who? By Jesus Christ. You see, folks, that's the results, that fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. You know what we're to do, verse 10? We are to come along and we are to clear our minefield. We're to clear the stage that's our life where we live. We, we, our, our lives are stages. Everything we do, the circumstances, we're to clear off all of the stuff that God says, get off. Get it out of your life. You don't do that. Be, be not drunk wherein is excess of wine. Ephesians 5.18, right? Boy, I butchered that one, didn't I? Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That ain't talking about quit drinking. When you're filled with excess, what are you? You're, you're a pig. You're just sucking it up. He says, you're, su you're sucking up the wrong thing, man. Get rid of that stuff. Get that stage of your mind clear. And just have in Philippians 1 there what's excellent. It's, again, I, the work thing. Is it good to work? Is it good to Bible study? It's not good to Bible study at work when you're on the clock. They don't like it. By the way, I have personal experience with this, okay? Just had, that's why I'm using it, right? Okay? But you know what? If I'm on my lunch break and I'm Bible studying, that's excellent. Working is good. Bible studying is good. What's excellent 
is staying home on Sunday morning. Good. Yep. Is getting up, going to church. Good. Yeah. But what's excellent? See, you work that through in your life for you. See. Folks, when we function in these three realms, we are building in the things that are going to last for eternity. And that's the whole point of all of this. We hear enough nonsense out there in mainstream media, your neighbors, the internet. Right? Where You know what you do? <laughs> Unplug it, get back here in the book, and stuff that is more excellent. And have that be what's built up into you, because then that causes you to have prudence. You and I should never be shocked by what's happening in the world today. Because we have prudence. We understand what his word says about the world and the course of it. We have wisdom about it. We have knowledge. We have understanding. So guess what? Prudence says, don't be shocked when, you're, when you look at this present evil world. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. I thank you for the folks' patience, for sitting and for listening and for the, their eagerness to do that and to study and to see what your word says. And Lord, I pray as we go through the week that we would do so safely. We would do so thinking about these things and making sure that we are functioning on the basis of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and prudence. And we do all of that for your honor and for your glory so that we might walk worthy of you. In your name we pray, amen. All right, let's stand. We'll be closed with the song. Thank you for your...